The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 695 for October 6th, 2019. Apple announces an iPhone 6S repair program, Microsoft announces a dual-screen Android device, and your iPhone questions answered. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Your weekly podcast for the latest news, devices, and software in the mobile phone industry. More information can be found at thecellphonejunkie.com. Well, a lighter news week for us this week, but there's always stuff to talk about, so let's start with some device news and an old friend, the iPhone 6S. So this week, Apple released a repair program for the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus that uh, have these devices experiencing problems in powering on. Affected devices that are eligible for the program will be repaired free of charge. And this was first reported by Bloomberg, and Apple then opened up an iPhone 6S and 6S Plus repair program page that talks about the inability for these devices to power on. Now, according to the page, it says Apple has determined that a certain iPhone 6S and 6S Plus device may not power on due to a component that may fail. The issue only affects devices within a limited serial number range that were manufactured between October 2018 and August 2019, and also only in certain parts of the world. The repair program covers devices for two years after the first resale retail sale of the unit, which means owners have until August of 2021, depending on their purchase date. There's also a serial number checker to confirm if your device has been included in the repair program. Now, you think about this. So this is the 6S. This is a device that was released in 2015. And we're talking about devices that were manufactured between October of 2018 and August of 2019. So this is uh, definitely not something that the vast majority of the listeners here of the show are going to be uh, eligible for. Uh, And frankly, it's probably only in certain parts of the world. Right. I think it's maybe India and a couple of other markets. So it's probably nothing here for the U.S. uh, to deal with because I don't even think they've been warranty uh, replacing successes even in this uh, time period. But the interesting thing about it is that it did get some mainstream coverage. This was not just a, a tech blog story. This got coverage from others because of the headline, which is, Apple devices getting in on a free repair. And so that grabs headlines and other, of course, mainstream outlets then want to cover it. In addition to a lot of people still have successes. And of course, uh, you know, Apple's the, you know, the biggest company here with the biggest stock. So anything Apple and iPhone related basically makes the news because there's not much else to talk about, really. And uh, speaking of Apple repair, I just had my MacBook Pro screen replaced uh, by a free uh, secret repair bulletin they didn't ha- they don't have listed on that site uh, there's a whole you know that that site that apple has where there's a bunch of uh you know recalls and repair bulletins for things uh it was replaced the 13 uh, inch macbook pro 2013 and 2015 models uh where the anti-glare coating starts to just fall off the screen i cleaned mine for the very first time and the the, the anti-glare coating was just was a, a disaster on the screen it looked uh, looked awful and uh within four years the original data purchase Purchase Apple secretly will replace it for free, and I did the the chat thing on Saturday or Sunday morning, and they uh, I sent them a picture, and they're like, oh, okay, so they just sent me the box to to mail it in, and it was back in two days, uh, so that was a great, smooth, easy process. But I was within two months of that four year thing, so I I caught it just in the nick of time. And how did you number one find out about the program, and number two, what did they do to replace it? Did they just put a, a coating back on the screen? 
we even t- we may have even talked about it, but it was in 2017 that it hit uh, like iMore and Nine to Five Mac uh, about this program. And and so what did the, it was so you they you sent in the what the obviously the whole laptop and how did they put this the covering or film back on? They don't. They replace the whole top half of the the the, uh, the laptop. So the you know the back metal is all new uh, behind the screen. So it's just the the whole half of the clamshell is all new. But the bottom half is all the same. It's the the same computer I sent in. Same drive. Same keyboard. Same uh, you know lower half of the the computer. It's in an interesting you know piece of, uh, of of information to, to bring up because this is something that often happens uh, with any Apple device that gets repaired is that they will take it and they don't just deal with the one particular component that you're sending it in for repair on but there could be other components that come in and that is everything from if you get a phone that has a problem with it like a broken screen they might just give you a refurbished replacement device uh, and uh, and so you want to make sure you're doing things like backing up your data and or erasing your data so that there are no other issues moving forward uh, with with what's happening on that device but ultimately it sounds like they just obviously they, they replace the whole thing which is actually kind of nice uh, to have a, a brand new uh, LCD screen um, uh, that you're going to be able to use now for hopefully a few years to come with that computer. Yeah, exactly. And of course, I, I did blank the hard drive bus before I sent it in in case they swapped it out or anything like that. So uh, keep all the data secure and uh, don't have to worry about it. Which, of course, just a couple of days before the new Catalina comes out. And so as you've uh, had to load a few things back on it, you'll probably have to do some uh, rejiggering of things here as uh, the new software comes out. But uh, either way, it's a um, it, one of those things where if you have issues with an Apple product, make sure you're checking their website to uh, understand whether or not there are things that can be done potentially under warranty uh, or at no cost to you as the user. Moving on to other device news, LG's entry-level K30 2019 model has launched in several different versions under a variety of names. At AT&T, T-Mobile, and Cricket in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a number of versions of this model. First up, Cricket launching the phone as the Escape Plus a few weeks ago, selling for $80. AT&T Prepaid has launched the same phone as the Arena 2 for $120. And LG is now selling it unlocked as the K30 for $140. Also, a slightly higher-end version with a fingerprint reader and better camera at 13 megapixels instead of 8 is now available at as the Prime 2 on AT&T, also at $120. And the Aristo 4 Plus on T-Mobile for six hundred, or excuse me, one hundred and sixty-two dollars and fifty cents. The two models offer different, uh, offer also differ. Uh, the Prime 2 has NFC, while the Aristo 4 Plus has dual band Wi-Fi. And usually, the Prime 2 and Aristo 4 Plus have only sixteen gigs of storage. Otherwise, the other. Uh, the low-end Escape Plus and Arena 2 have 32 gigs. All versions in the series have a tall HD display, 3,000 milliamp hour battery, and dedicated Google Assistant button, uh, 5 megapixel selfie camera, 3.5 millimeter headset jack, and a memory card slot. Next up, the Microsoft Surface Duo is a unique dual-screen device running Android and functions as a foldable tablet and mini version of the company's just-announced Surface Neo. Its dual 5.6-inch displays are joined by a 360-degree hinge that lets it fold with the displays facing either in or out. When folded, it's far wider than most phones, making it slightly distinct in category of, category of device. It can run two apps side-by-side, side, use the second display as a keyboard, or function like one unified tablet. Uh, The only downside is this device won't be available until the fall of 2020, so we're going to have to wait a little bit for it. But a very unique style here, and similar to 
uh, the Samsung Fold, but uh, obviously a little bit more versatile in how the folding mechanism works. It is because it is two separate screens. The, the of course the, the the Galaxy Fold is really unique because it's one screen that actually bends in the middle. So that's where it's uh, very cool. So Microsoft is kind of getting on this dual screen, you know, phone slash tablet deal uh, using my, uh, using Android, and of course not you know the, the Windows Microsoft Phone that we would have seen uh, if this was a few years ago, but. Uh, uh, they're going to give it a try here, and uh, you know maybe it'll be a good good companion for uh, Windows 10, of course, which they've been adding a lot of Android uh, kind of integration into it uh, recently. Like now, you get you know, the, some uh, message notifications will uh, pop up on your Windows 10 uh, system uh, from Android, and it sounds like they're going to go even more uh, further in integrating Microsoft Windows within uh, Android itself. And it's obviously a great thing for Android users. And uh, I would imagine that the majority of Android users out there are using Windows computers, although I wouldn't uh, go as far as to say that all are, of course, but that would seem to make some sense. And so to have that integration and to be able to see things that are coming through notification-wise in your phone on uh, your computer is a very handy thing to have. Well, and as you know, having the you know iOS uh, integration with macOS is actually very handy. There's a lot of things that uh, you know that that having the the integration kind of tied together with you know everything from phone calls to the the iMessage and some of the notifications and even the handoff stuff uh, does come in handy. Yeah, and I would say messages far and away is the thing I use it the most for. Um, I don't really take a whole lot of phone calls on it. And I think it just has to do with the fact that I use the Mac at night primarily and on the weekends when I don't get a lot of phone calls, I primarily use the phone for, for enterprise stuff and I don't use the Mac for that. And so I, I don't really do a whole lot of that. And uh, I don't see a whole lot of necessity for handoff. I, I just don't, I never really open web pages and leave them open and then want to come back to them on another device. Every once in a while, I'll do it from the phone to the tablet, but rarely on the computer. But again, nice to have stuff. Uh, and certainly it's, again, anytime you can get additional functionality from uh, the, the integration of devices such as Android over to Windows, that's certainly helpful. Next up, uh, along with that Surface Duo, Microsoft announcing the Surface earbuds that promise 24-hour battery life. The buds integrate with Spotify and Microsoft Office. Touch controls on the outside can control Spotify music or a PowerPoint presentation. They also include voice dictation and translation features. So, for example, they can add real-time uh, captions of what you're saying to a live PowerPoint presentation and translate those captions into any one of 60 languages. Surface earbuds will sell for $250 and are available this fall. In software news, just one piece going forward, all new phones shipping with either Android 9 or 10 will come with the YouTube Music application. On Android 10 devices, it will be the only music app from Google and will be pre-installed, replacing Google Play Music. Now let's move on to some questions and comments that we received this week, starting with a comment from Joseph. He said, you mentioned that the iPhone 11 has a glass back as well as a glass front. I still have an iPhone 4 that I use to uh, that I used to house a T-Mobile prepaid account that is grandfathered from original rewards programs that lets you keep it alive by adding a minimal amount of money, $10 or so every year. This gives me service for another 360 days, and granted, my per minute rate is not great at $0.12 cents a minute. I, I can keep it uh, active by renewing the account by the minute expiration date. At any rate, uh, regarding the glass back, as soon as I got the four, I got a case for it since I didn't want to risk being klutzy dropping it 
and breaking the back glass. I'm not sure why Apple thought uh, to bring this design back. Yes, it may be physically attractive, uh, but it's now not practical as as it was not with the iPhone 4. I don't have any designs uh, on getting the iPhone 11, uh, but I just noted that it was not practical for real world world day-to-day use for using a phone. Just my thought, Joseph. Well, uh, there is one primary reason for this glass back, And that is because we are now using wireless charging in these devices and uh, that does not work through a metal back. Now, certainly there are options that we could potentially see where you would have like a cutout or something like that. Uh, But it's just not aesthetically pleasing or as pleasing as having a single piece of material on the backside of the device. Right. And that's why they've done it. And of course... Some of it is for, uh, you know, the antennas as well, because they can put actual the the radio antennas behind the glass and not have them uh, be as affected as they are uh, through the metal backs and, you know, have the the channels like they did with the the 6 and the 6S. But, uh, yeah, the wireless charging is kind of the primary reason that they did it. And and I don't really like the glass because of the weight, uh, as that steps that up quite a bit. Uh, My iPhone uh, SE and, of course, the the 5 and the 5s have little glass strips on the top and bottom which i think is a really nice design uh and that doesn't really get in the way yeah but you couldn't use that for wireless charging at least not practically with uh, today's chargers the chargers uh that you find if you're a wireless charging person um have coils in them and it could be one coil if it's an older one most modern wireless chargers that you buy now have two or even three coils in them And uh, the idea is that when you set a device on it, hopefully it lines up appropriately with one or more of these coils. And of course, it depends on the charging pad that you're using. But uh, if it happens to be one that is uh, relatively, um, you know, uh, the same size, a lot of times you can find that the coils will line up and you'll get a faster rate of charge as a result. Speaking of that, I, I read a story, I think it was last week, that they discovered the iPhone 11 uh, with iOS 13 is now restricted to 5 watts of charging on a standard Qi charger, which, of course, uh, they can do uh, 7.5 watts, but they've done some sort of restriction on that. Hey, that is a very interesting comment. I had not heard that, and I don't understand why they would potentially do that, maybe from a heat buildup perspective or something like that. But, um, you know, and I've got multiple um, chargers around, Qi chargers around, and I've got all of them plugged into something that outputs uh, two or more amps uh, for uh, whether it's a, an iPad charger, that's what I'm using in a lot of the cases, or I'll be using like a third-party charger that has over two, uh, two amps of output. Yeah, and you don't really need that much because the max they can even push uh, over Qi is like seven and a half watts, so you don't quite need that much. But there is a little bit, a little bit, a little bit ahead uh, with that. So that's it's 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 better to actually overpower it because uh, you won't run into the issue where you get low voltage. Yeah, and I I mean I don't even know frankly why I do it sometimes because it's like when I at my charger at my on my nightstand where I just put the phone on there and it's sitting on there for eight hours or so and it's you know it would be fine to have like half a amp uh charging there and maybe it would even be better for the battery if it had less heat buildup but uh either way it's uh not really that big of a deal because it's not going over seven and a half anyway so i don't really worry about it and again i'm only having i'm only gonna have the phone for a couple years so it's probably not going to cause too many issues so anyway moving on but anyway interesting comment uh, from me there joseph thank you for sending that in Next up is a question from Neil. He says, uh, hey, with Apple quietly rolling out Apple Care Forever, I'd love to hear your thoughts 
on Apple Care as a service and your opinion on the updates to it. Thanks, Neil. Well, uh, Neil, I'm not personally an Apple Care user. Uh, I've got insurance through both my carrier and my credit card company that covers uh, me for issues that happen with my devices. But uh, that said, if you don't have those options, uh, the Apple Care Forever plan is actually a pretty decent option. You can get it for $8 a month, and that'll extend the warranty and coverage for your phone. So it's on par with what you would get if you were getting the coverage through your carrier. Yeah, so that's what's great about that. And of course, I would definitely pick the Apple coverage over the carrier coverage uh, in a millisecond just because uh, because it's Apple's coverage and they're very good usually with their support and repairing and whatever else uh, they do with it. However, of course, you do have to watch the deductible cost because there is a deductible if you damage the device, um, physical damage. But if it's something that actually goes wrong with it, that would be like, you know, past the one year warranty, then they'll cover that. So it is a. It's definitely different, and it's and it's interesting that you can continue on with it. There, there's got to be some point where they will not cover it after a certain point. Once the device gets past that, what is it? That archive discontinued. The, the, it's like four or five years down the road, they they just stop supporting devices and stop repairing, and they will not even touch it, no matter what uh, what it is. So then you're off on your own. So that would be the end of the program, I guess, at that point. Lately, um, I've you know the the latest two iPads I have broken uh, numerous times now. So I've now purchase the Apple Care on those because they seem way more fragile. I went, I don't know, was it six, six, seven years without breaking an iPad uh, through what four different models, and now these last two, I've, I've continuously uh, seemed like I continuously break. So I've definitely added the Apple Care on there. And it's unfortunate because, of course, you would have loved to have had it before the breaks happened. Uh, but uh, here you are, and this is what you have to deal with. No, I have got the Apple Care on this, uh, the new 11, and I, I, it, it broke, and I sent it in for the $50 and got the screen replaced. So it was just the one device that you had to pay outright to get repaired? Yes. Okay, well, still, it would have been nice to have it on that one. But either way, I, so I don't have it on mine, I don't have it on my computer, I don't have it on my phone, so I'm just kind of rolling dice at this point. And actually, that other device, the uh, 10 and a half iPad Pro, I didn't uh, pay the full price to repair. I did that myself uh, right. with the, the screen, so I, I got it much cheaper. Yeah, that is true. I forgot about that. It's uh, it is an, an interesting process though, because if we think about it, it's like anything else where you don't have something, something goes wrong, and then you decide you need to get the thing to ha- save you the next time the thing happens, and will it ever happen again? Is really kind of the question mark. And for not phones, but for uh, you know, and maybe not even iPads, but for if you if you buy Apple computers, if you get a very first generation of the device, I would recommend the Apple Care because they seem definitely more finicky and troublesome than once they get a few years in and get all the bugs worked out. That's very true. It's a good good uh, piece of advice. Finally, today uh, another question from uh, Joseph, and he says. Hey, just wondering what your take would be on the big increase in cost between models of the new iPhones. So if you look at the iPhone 11, 699 for 64 gigs, 749 for 128 gigs, 839 for 256. But when you compare that to the cost of just buying an SD card, uh, you can get up to 128 gigabytes for $30, uh, or excuse me, 128 gigs for $25, uh, 256 gigs for $34. Uh, So why does Apple charge a huge premium for the higher capacity merely uh, because it can or another reason? Uh, So first, you know, this is actually a price reduction from what Apple has really done in the past. So historically, they've had 
$100 increases between the tiers. Uh, so would, um, it's it's a pretty good step down here now that you've got three different tiers and they're only separated by $140. So that said, yes, they do it because they can, but also because it's a way for them to make up some of the, the thinner margins that they get in the lower tier, lower storage devices. It is. And in, in fact, the price is cheaper, but it's actually a better deal because traditionally with the iPhones, you were going from 16 to 34 to 60, uh, 64. So you're only getting, you know, 30 gigs different. And now you're getting, you know, 120 up to 120 gigs uh, more for the same uh, less than $100. So it's actually not too bad. But the memory is different than like a flash card, uh, you know, like a, an SD card or, or a micro SD. It is much more durable uh, memory and much faster. And uh, it is it is more expensive than that. But of course, not not quite this expensive of what they charge for the upgrades. Yeah, I look at this very similar to like the, the the conversation that you have about SD drives and laptops, you know, RAM and desktops, that kind of thing, where it's, you know, adding it afterwards is often cheaper, but not always possible for the end user and almost impossible. Uh, I'm not going to say completely, but almost impossible to do it on the phone side. Uh, and frankly, they know they have you and they're going to go uh, after, you know, offering different tiers of storage and try and make up you know, money where people want to have more storage on their device. Right. And of course, you, uh, you know, consumer, uh, you know, behavior dictates that a lot of people go for the middle model. And that's why they have, you know, uh, small, medium and large, because they make the it, it actually kind of psychology wise pushes you towards the middle model uh, and or the cheap one, because uh, it makes you feel like you're getting a good deal. Uh, but it also gives the people who really want the big uh, storage device to have that option available. And it makes you feel like you're getting a better deal on the lower two models. So that's uh, why there are those uh, three uh, sizes available as well. Yeah, the the psychology of the middle tier is absolutely fascinating. And and think about this next time you go and you've got choice, uh, whether it's, you know, going to the movie and choosing the size of popcorn you want to buy or going to the arcade um, and, you know, what sort of, you know, credit that you're going to purchase. Uh, there's always this rationale that, that occurs where you start to think, well, like, well, I don't really want to go for the cheapest thing. And, well, I don't know if I want to get that, that kind of top tier thing. That seems really expensive. So yeah, that middle tier, that seems like a really good deal. And when you think about it on the phone side too, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people about, uh, the size of device that they've, they've purchased the memory that is. And, and to your point, it's it's the middle device far and away is is the winner there. And whenever I tell them, you know, no, I just I always get the 64 gig model. They say, well, how do I thought you, you know, I thought you used your phone a lot. I'm like, yeah, I do. Well, don't you take a lot of pictures and videos? Yeah, I take a ton. But that the way that the software works, it's optimized. So I have very little actually still being stored on the device. Well, I just, I stream a lot of, or I listen to a lot of music. I'm like, yeah, I do too. Are you storing it on your device? Yeah, I store a couple hundred songs. It's like, okay, well, that, that doesn't, that's not filling up the space. Well, but you know, it's, I like to stream a lot of stuff then too. Okay, well again, not filling up space, but I throw some movies on there. I'm like, what, what, how many movies are you storing on the device at one time? I mean, I get it. You want to store like maybe you go on a, an overseas trip and you want to do half a dozen movies and, you know, they're a gig to a gig and a half each. OK, so we're talking, you know, 10 gigs. Well, the the base model still 64 gigs. 
And inevitably, you check someone's storage, and unless they've got not photos optimized or they whatever, there's there's very few people that are using more than like twenty or thirty gigs. It's just not that uh, there's not a lot of utilization of these devices like we once had, where basically everything was being stored on the device. Same thing with with messages now, right? You can get the messages where it'll start to roll off the messages after after a year, or it'll roll off the attachments after a certain period of time. And so there's not there's every single piece of the device. Is, is optimizing itself so that it's not using as much storage on the thing as it once was. Right. And of course, it, so it's like a double whammy. Now we've got massive devices, but now the iCloud can offload uh, a lot of that stuff. And they've improved the, 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 the software options for, like you said, the iMessage and some of the other things. So it's, a, it, it's kind of a, it, now it's like, oh, you don't even need it now. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna look at my device right now because I, 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 this is I've done this so many times where I've been talking to somebody about it and I think, well, maybe I, maybe things have changed for me here. But uh, if I, if, so yeah, let's look at the uh, the storage here. So I've got the 64 gig device and I've got over 40 gigs available. So I'm using 23 point something, you know, gigs on the device. And um, it, it, it's it's crazy when you think about like what some people are buying here with 256 uh, or on the iPad side, what, 512 gigs. And wh- what just what is it that you're storing on there that you need to have with you all the time? Take, you know, if you can take a few minutes to just optimize that device uh, a little bit more, it's it's like it's going to work much better for you or podcast. That's the one I see. Like if, if someone has a lot of storage, it's podcasts. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? Well, I just, I sync podcasts. Okay. So what have you, what, what settings do you have? I'm like, I, I don't know. And it's downloading every podcast, you know, and saving them until they delete them. And so then podcasts will be like, 40 gigs or something like that and it's and it's absurd but it's you know it's again it's one of those things like one of the many things that if you optimize it appropriately like i've got probably a dozen podcasts or something like that on my device at any given time but it's only downloading the most recent one so that's only taking up a hundred couple hundred megs Right. And of course, I'm looking at my iPad and I've got a bunch of uh, games on here and they do actually, you know, some of them take up four, four and a half gigs, four gigs, three gigs, five gigs, two gigs. So they're they're they're, They can be kind of big in that uh, regard, but still 64 is still a lot. And you're so yours is it's an SE. So or no. Dude, what this is, is for my iPad. Uh, my my SE is a 32, I believe. I believe it's a 32 gig SE. But it, my so iPad's 256. Oh, you went for the top end on that. So what do you right? Because it's no, I, they went to 512, didn't they? So uh, was, you, that, actually, I think there was a terabyte available on this one. Yeah, there might be. So, but what? So what? How much storage are you using at this? 100. Point? 100 gigs. Okay, so you couldn't have gone for the 64. Now, meanwhile, my iPad Pro is a 64, and it's the same thing. I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like 20 gigs or something that's being used. Yes, there are certain applications, so definitely caveat to that. There are certain apps that are going to soak up a lot of space, and especially games, because there's just a lot of data that goes with them. So I will give you that, that it's you could easily fill up a device uh, or big chunks of a device if you start to download stuff like that. Right, so it's it's telling me my uh, unused apps are twenty six gigs. Um, if you're yeah, so it it, it, it I've got uh, fourteen gigs of uh, basically a few a few movies on there. So I could probably have I gotten away with a, a one twenty eight no problem. Right, that's interesting. So you're twenty six gigs of unused. So these are probably the games that you haven't played in a while, kind of thing. 
Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's look, it, there's no there's no problem if you want to justify, you know, to yourself that you need to you want to have, not need, want to have a larger device and you want to have all that stuff on it. That's great. That's why the option is out there. My point with it is that it's, you know, you don't probably need or most people I shouldn't say, maybe not listeners here, but generally people are using their devices for, you know, Facebook Instagram, uh, other social media, a handful of applications on a regular basis, and it's not really going to take up all that much space, and you could easily get away with one of the smaller devices. Yep, but if you're somebody who doesn't use iCloud at all and want to ha- wants to ha- have a lot of music on there and wants to have movies on there and uh, you know store your pictures on there, then you definitely want to get the bigger device. And I, absolutely, and for another whatever it is, whatever it's 140 bucks or something like that, it's not a well bad, worth it. It's well worth it, absolutely. So yeah, it certainly makes sense in in some instances. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, if you have anything for us, we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 650-999-0524. Leave us a message there. We'll get it on the show. Or send us email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. We'll get those on a future show as well. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.